Welcome to the Self Helpful Podcast, where I partner with our biggest publishers and agencies to bring you the most current and cutting edge research and stories on personal growth and development and improvement so you can be in the know and at your fullest capacity. I'm Kevin Miller. In this episode, I am back with Tyler Merritt for part two of our discussion to talk through his personal values and motives and habits and the key areas of life to see what drives him. In part one, Together, our focus was talking about stereotypes and marginalization. I'm a six foot tall white American male who has only experienced positive stereotyping and no marginalization. Tyler is a six two dreadlocked black man in America who absolutely knows what it's like to be negatively stereotyped and marginalized. And I encourage you to listen to that episode if you haven't. But in this one, This is a behind the scenes on Tyler. If you don't know Tyler, he is a Nashville based actor, activist, cancer survivor, founder of the Tyler Merritt Project and author of the book, I Take My Coffee Black, Reflections on Tupac, Musical Theater, Faith and Being Black in America. Over the course of Tyler's career, he's gained recognition through notable acting projects, including Kevin Probably Saves the World, Outer Banks. The Outsider, as well as serving as the face of the worldwide teaching curriculum for the Gospel Project for Kids. And most recently, Tyler made headlines with his 2018 video that went viral called Before You Call the Cops. Uh, If you have not seen that, just type in Before You Call the Cops, Tyler Merritt, you'll find it. It's on a bunch of platforms. It's been viewed over 100 million times worldwide. He's appeared on Jimmy Kimmel, MSNBC, and the New York Times. Hey, if you find value from this self-helpful podcast, subscribe, leave a rating and review, and best of all, share something you learn from Tyler in this episode with someone else. You can connect with me anywhere at kevinmiller.co. Next up, Tyler Merritt. Tyler, the first area here is spiritual. And uh, I I mean, you're pretty outspoken in your spirituality, your faith, reading your book. I'm going to say it's not the safest church fodder uh, that I grew up with in the South there. So I'm sure that that gets you some, uh, some discussions going on. But tell me about that. When you look at your spirituality overall, what are those key values that you live from. Yeah, man. I, 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 I at first thought that I was going to get in trouble for saying this thing that I've been saying for a very long time now. Um, but then I realized how many other people echoed the way that I feel. But I say often that um, I, I'm a huge fan of Jesus, but I'm oftentimes just not that big of a fan of his followers. And I, I, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, man, seriously, we could spend, we could do a show just on that right now, but yes, thank you. But, okay. but originally I didn't think that I, I had people that echoed that sentiment. You follow me? Like I thought that I was saying something that was so like wild by making that commentary. And then I started seeing all these people come out of the woodworks being like, yeah, I don't even call myself a Christian, but I love me some Jesus, you know? Um, which people can't hold together, really. If you do Jesus, then you are Christian. No, I don't accept it. But you can't, they can't, talk, we're back to containers. They, I haven't found, people can't hold that one. Yeah, yeah. And here's the truth, man. I mean, like, you know, I, I can try to erase the name. <laughs> Bro, I was on a podcast once 
and I and on a on a predominantly white podcast, and I said, um, "We just need." To, I, this is what I said, and I will never forget because I remember the um, guy who was hosting it was like, "Oh well, I don't know how this is going to go over." <laughs> but I said to him, "I was like, we just need to deal with the fact that the word Christianity is becoming synonymous with the word racism." he was like, oh, God. And I was like, but yeah, at the time specifically, it felt that way. You couldn't go on social media without some Christian being like, let me tell you about how the United States is a Christian country and God is a white man who, oh, God, just Lord, like, I can't, I can't. Um, all of that to say. You know, I talk about it in my book, a woman said to me one time, Tyler, you will probably always love Jesus. I became a Christian in high school. And my experience with meeting Jesus was so, um, so heavy in the best of ways. So the chapter in our book is called, I was doing just fine, then damn it, here comes Jesus. <clears throat> I actually I talk- skipped to that chapter when I first started reading the book. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I had this experience at the summer camp. In a big puffy down jacket, right? Yeah. In a big puffy goose down jacket in the middle of Las Vegas, 100 degree heat. And um, it's a very funny story, but there was this moment, Kevin, that was so... I knew, like, bro, I just knew I was like, I'm never going to be the same anymore. Yeah. Like, I, it is, this is it for me. Like, I, and, and at that moment, <clears throat> I didn't realize how treacherous of a journey I was going to have with my spirituality and dealing with my own, like, guilt and shame and all of that stuff. But where I ended up landing now as a grown man is that Jesus that I fell in love with at that summer camp has never changed. That Jesus has never changed. The people around me, sure. The situation, sure. But as I've gotten older, I realize that the reasons that I fell in love with Jesus are the things that make the world better, that make the world more peaceful, that make the world more loving. That Jesus is the one that keeps me going, man. And um, I said in my Before You Call the Cops video that people often think I'm Muslim, and I say, and I'm okay with that. Like, um, this is not, I, I don't do well with some Christians, but if you are not a follower of Christ, I ain't mad at you about it. <laughs> I don't feel like I have to force my love for this Jesus onto anyone at all. My hope is, my, and I'll be honest, man, my hope isn't even like, if I love you like Jesus does, then hopefully you'll come to know him yourself. Like, I think, sure, when I was younger, I felt that way. But now, my, my hope above anything, above anything, is that when I leave this world, you go, I... I mean, I don't, maybe I don't know a whole lot about Jesus, but I kind of feel like Tyler loved me like that Jesus guy probably would have. If that's what I leave the world with, or that's the impression that you're with, that's faith. That's, that's faith to me. Yeah. How does that walk out in the day-to-day, week-to-week habits that you employ to invest, engage in your spirituality? Man, when I, early on in my spiritual journey, 
it was all about rules mm -hmm. for me. And um, in fact, the chapter right after um, Damn It, Here Comes Jesus is just called, I'm supposed to do what? Like, you know, I, I, I'm suddenly going, wait, so wait, I, I didn't realize that this mountaintop experience that I had was now going to become a, a rule, a book of rules. In fact, I talk about how before, before Jesus, I used to hang out because growing up in Las Vegas or right next to Utah, there's a ton of Mormons, right? Beautiful, awesome Mormon that I used to hang out with, go eat their pizza at lunch and kick it. I went, became a Christian, came back the next, next after summer, came back. And suddenly these Mormon friends of mine were now the enemy. Mm -hmm. I was like, what, trying to look at what did you do to my gospel? What did you do to blah, 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 this, that, and the other. You know, I was built on rules and I was built on um, what even individuals that are listening to this now are going to go, but you can't change what the words of the Bible say and this, that, and the other. And I was built on, I, I, everything I, I knew was built on that. And that ended up causing a lot of fear inside of me too, man. So... Now, how I walk that out is I just don't live in fear anymore. I, I live in love and his grace, which is something I wish I could have discovered as a young man. And I don't use that as, a, as an excuse to do what I want or to give bypass to what individuals would call the sins of the world or whatever. I just know that... Um, I didn't fall in love with Jesus for the rules. I, I, that wasn't, that wasn't, I, I, that wasn't it. Uh, um, and I, I don't know many people who have ever decided to follow Jesus. Cause they were like, these rules look really fun. Or I think that if I act a certain way, I'm going to be able to, to receive this love from God. So now, man, I, I, in my everyday life, I walk this out like, where are the opportunities that I have in the world to love the best that I possibly can? And I look for that stuff, bro. I, I seek it out. I will seek it out. Um, I, in my phone, um, I have my notes section. I have the names of homeless people that are in my area. Um, uh, and I, I say homeless. They're not without homes. But um I have a lot of individuals that are that are in Nashville that I will take a picture of and I'll put their name in my phone hmm. specifically so that when I see them again, I'm able to go, what's up, Jason? Hmm. And to watch that individual go, my God, why does this random guy that I don't even remember, remember my name? Why am I important to this person? Like, that's an opportunity for, that's Jesus stuff right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the Bible is, is full of that stuff. And, and I want to seek that out, man. So that's how I try to live it in my everyday. Okay, well, there couldn't be a better segue. The next category is just relationships in general, other people. And you just talked about a relationship with Jesus. You just talked about a relationship with, with homeless. So give me a, a perspective on the values that Tyler has with relationships as you look at your fellow humans. Well, you're going to, what I'm about to say falls in, it plays into all of my, everything else that we're probably going to talk about, this plays into. I am a firm believer, man, that you can't do this life alone. Um, and as a 40, now 46 year old bachelor with no kids, 
I left my parents. I moved out of my house when I was 17 to go to college and never moved back. So I haven't lived with my parents or even in the same city um, since I was 17 years old. Um, I've played in a band. And those guys in my band were like family to me, like brothers to me and their wives, like sisters to me. Um, I have friends in my life who I, I hold the closest to me. Um, my brother, James Iglehart, and I'm saying names because I, 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 I'm trying to draw the picture of like how very specific they are to me. It's not just an idea of, I got some people out in my life that matter. No, 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 no. These people are like pillars to me. My, my brother, James Monroe Iglehart, my brother, Rob Curitan, Shannon Albrecht, who's one of my best friends in the whole world. My friend, Sarah, Lisa Mortali, um, they're, they're individuals. Um, my girlfriend, Jen Hatmaker, who's fantastic. They're individuals in my life who they give me life. Yeah. And it is important for me to have them there. Not only is it important, important, I would say that it's mandatory to not live this life alone. And look, if you're married with kids, you probably don't have the option not to live. Like you walk into your house every day and go, I do not have the option. But I would even push people that are married to go, look, have some more people in your life that aren't people that you are forced to have to be with. Yeah. Right. And then in the midst of that, you build those relationships, but then you pour in this huge dose of communication, right? And um, I think it's really important to the friends that are in your life to say, look, we are going to have these mountaintop moments where we just have a good old time. We party and we come over and we kick it. We're also going to have these times where I'm just going to need you there for me. And I want you to know that I'm there for you as well. And that this isn't going to always be light. It's going to be some darkness. And you need to know I'm there for you. And if you're there for me, then let's go. I get blamed this all the time in, in a good and bad way. I am like painfully loyal to my friends, painfully loyal. Um, if you've been there for me once, I got, I got you. It's almost like this. I grew up in Las Vegas where there were a lot of gangs. There was this gang mentality. Like once you jumped in, you're in. Yeah. Like if I, almost this mafia, mafia mentality, if I claim you, you're there. So those are the people in my life, man. And, um, it's 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 not an option to not are you a frequent communicator (laughs) with the individuals that i see often sure um but i also have those friends that we may not talk for three weeks and i could shoot them a text about anything kevin a big could be about anything we may not have talked for three weeks shoot them a text message and it's like i got you um, but my best friend, Shannon, I see almost every single day or talk to her every day. Of course, um, my girlfriend, I talk to her every day. There are a handful of people that I talk to every single day. And you know who I do not communicate the most with? And this is going to make some people very, very upset. Um, especially if you've read my book, I am the worst communicator with my mother. Mm. I'm that kid. I'm that kid where my mom's like, call me. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> or I haven't talked to you in two weeks. What are you doing? What's great is that she's fantastic and she knows her son, but um, I, man, I am incredibly jealous of these people. They're like, I talk to my mom every day. We get on the phone two or three hours a day. 
Like, I'm like, I can't, I, I, I don't have two or three hours a day to talk to my mom. I wish I did, but you know, I'm, I'm probably not that great that way. We'll finish up the podcast early so you can call your mom, Tyler. Uh, health and wellness is the next one. And this is just little health and wellness, physical uh, health and wellness, your diet, exercise. Where does that fall on values and practice? Well, so I have cancer, which I, I, I'm not sure how much we talked about that. but we, um, we didn't at all. I mean, it's part of your bio, cancer survivor. But Yeah. So I have a rare form of cancer called liposarcoma. Yeah. And um, at the age of 44, um, I found out that I, I had a 28-pound cancerous tumor in my abdomen. That's ridiculous. Which you might go, that's like four kids, Tyler. How did you not know that you were carrying that? So right around um, the time of the pan- right around when the pandemic started, I'm an actor. So typically I try to stay pretty healthy, but when the pandemic started, all our actor friends, we were all like, gain weight. None of us are shooting. Like, eat what you want. Live how you'd like. And I did that. But then um, I booked this uh, Hallmark Christmas movie and I was like, I should probably lose some weight and get back to like looking half decent. So I kind of went on a mission to try to get, you know, back in, in, into shape. And I realized that all of my body was shrinking except for my stomach. Like I was kind of Santa Clausing a little bit, you know. And I, I can go back and look on um, podcasts um, that I did. Uh, one of my friends, Ben Higgins, we did a podcast. And I'm looking, I go back and look at it now. And I'm like, you did not look well. Like, what was happening there? And what was happening is that I was sick. Yeah. And um, through a series of things, I ended up finding out. They end up going in and doing surgery. It's one of those cancers that you can't really have radi- radiation or chemo, which I was thankful for. But instead, you have to um, have surgery. So um, they slice me open from my chest to the bottom of my stomach. I have an incision that's like a mile long. Um, They went in, took out the tumor and one of my kidneys. Um, So I have a single kidney. Um, They talked about how they might have to take out some of my colon, but they didn't. And um, they were also pretty clear that they may not be able to get the entirety of the cancer. And so there, I still have some leftover that's still there, but it's not really causing any specific damage. And once it does, they're going to have to go back in and get the rest. All of this plays into your question. Um, I have been a, an avid walker for ever. Um, walking a, probably about four miles a day. Hmm. Um, that's the exercise that I need. And that exercise is also, now that I say that out loud, I should probably call my mom during that four mile walk. Perfect. Dang it. Perfect. Uh, (laughs) I'm glad you got that value from this show. Right, right. Um, But, you know, I would walk four miles a day and that's where I would, clear out for my mental health. There were just a lot of things. And that would keep me feeling really good. What it also did is that it, it masked my cancer though, too, right? Like, because I was healthy and walking and always felt like I was mobile and moving, um, my body kind of kept fooling itself like you're fine. And so after my surgery and after about six months of recovery, um, I got back to where I can walk again like really walk well. And now my health, my physical health is mostly in walking and like doing some mild weightlifting. Um, 
And then my physical, like my diet and all of that, I'm a vegetarian and have been for 10 years. Um, but let's be clear that when people say vegetarian, they think that vegetarian means healthy. That is not the case. <laughs> no, you can be vegetarian and live on mac and cheese. 100% and, uh, and French fry. Come on, man. Yeah, and Doritos, yeah, yeah. you know. So, um, well, and I've been vegetarian most, uh, uh, past 30 years. We, we did, we did a couple stupid years of vegan and then, yeah. uh, vegetarian since then. And now my wife calls us flexitarians. So, <laughs> well, what's, what's great. Then, you know, the veg the vegetarian life we lived 10 years ago is different than the life we live now. Yeah. Like there's so much plant-based things that I can bring anybody into my kitchen, make some, them something and they wouldn't even know, you know, but um, I try to be better and try to cut down salt and cholesterol in my diet. Um, but let me say, I love certain foods. I was going to say, give me some vices, Tyler. Um, I am a, I am a big fan of a good hamburger, bro. Like in, in nowadays we have, I, I'm, you're going to, you, because you're a vegetarian, I can say this to you, you'll know it. I'm allergic to impossible meat. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> like pretty much the meat that is like the most meaty things I found out I was allergic to, but well, um, well, cause it is, it's processed junk for the most part. Right. And so I got to look we, at, I don't, corn doesn't do well with me. So I got to look at how many 15 corn derivatives does this vegetarian meat have in it? Yeah. Sure. Sure. But Man, you give me a good Beyond Burger patty, bro. I will make that. Give me a hamburger, um, pizza. I love a good, a good donut. Man, I send me to a donut shop. That that, is that's donut. that's biblical. <laughs> Fried dough, I'm good. So those are my vices, and I lean into those when I can. My worst problem, man. This is the truth: is that I'm a late night eater. Yeah. Um. Whew. So I've trade I've traded in my late night um, crap eating into eating um, cherries, um, um, honey crisp apples, the only apples that anybody should ever eat. I don't know why anybody doesn't eat why why there aren't only just honey crisp apples. Those are the best apples in the world. Yeah. And um, yeah, and um, actually, I'll pistachios. Huh. I will eat pistachios, some cherries, and some um, honey crisp apples is my like late night snacks, man. So Quality. there you go. There's a Tyler diet. I like it. I like it. We'll put that on a meme and it'll go viral. Uh, next, mental, mental health, mental wellness. Your mental, even I, I like to look at it even as your mental state. What is the goal for you, and what do you do to keep yourself there? First, I just want to say to anybody listening, like you have to be able to say it, you have to be OK without you have to be OK in saying that I'm not OK. Hmm. And that's where it all starts. It's like you have to be OK with going. I am not all right. And just because you work 80 hours a week nonstop and you get off of work, go work out and go to sleep and wake up and, you know, Ask yourself, am I masking something and working 80 hours a week so that I'm not dealing with other parts and pieces of my life? Um, also, in something that we're starting to get a little bit better now within Black culture is we're not big fans of therapy. 
Like black folks typically aren't like, I want to go pay somebody to talk to about my feelings. That's not really like a black cultural thing. Hmm. Um, But we're starting to get a little bit better with that. I feel like across the board. Um, I think therapy is hugely important, but more so than anything for me is alone time. Um, I have to have it. Um, Time alone. And this is where my walks come in. People that are my, all of my friends, they know if I go on a walk, they aren't like, let me go walk with you. They know that my walk time is my, it's my therapy. Well, and what you said, I should call my mom then. I mean, so I, every day I'm, I'm generally out running or riding on a trail. I don't do it with other people. I sometimes do it with music, never talk. A lot of times, man, that is just, that's me and me and me, me and God. That's pretty much it. That keeps me sane. Yeah, it it yeah. keeps me sane. I wrote my whole book walking, like like I I, I it's, it's an exercise that my favorite rapper Jay Z uses, where he'll make up rhymes in his head. He doesn't actually write his rhymes down. Which if you're a hip hop fan and you listen to Jay Z, it's amazing he does that. But I I acquired that thing from him where, um, when I was writing my book, I would write a whole chapter in my mind on a walk come home and then just be able to spill it all out because I, had, mm. you know, taken it all in. Um, my friends know I, man, listen, my friends will tell me in a heartbeat if they think that I'm too grumpy, if they think that I'm having an attitude that day, the first thing they'll say to me is, have you not walked lately? And they're usually right. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I haven't had a walk for a couple of days now. So that's my jam, man. That alone time. Um, and, and, also, man, I don't know if you're familiar or if your listeners are familiar. I, I, I use this thing called the Calm Calm app, C-A-L-M. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know it. Man, listen, I have a subscription to it, and I don't use it as often as I should, but I'll, I'll do some guided meditation sometimes, man, with that, that it's amazing what will happen if you just take some time to yourself and just chill. But you have to partner that with being able to communicate with people, your friends, your yeah. loved ones being able to say that you're not okay, therapy, all of those things. I think they're hugely important. I did starkly notice the omission of goat yoga. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't my proudest moment. That's, that just, my proudest moment. that's just funny. I've seen, I've seen pictures of that, you know, the walking though that you do with so much talk about meditation. And I think we, you know, we, we do tend to put that in there. You got to sit down in the Lotus position and levitate a little bit. And I find so many people who have their methodologies of meditation, like you walking for me, uh, yeah, running, being outside, whatever, but people have it in different ways. Uh, yeah, I ran, I ran once. <laughs> I was like, I'm cool. Yeah. Don't ever have to do this again. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. Uh, all right, man. The next one is is work, career, business. What is the the value there? You seem to have a fairly uh, somewhat varied career. I mean, now you're you know your author and uh, doing a lot of things. But what is the value that you are trying to instill or to embody and to hold? for your career and how do you keep that where you want it to be? So as a creative, um, I will never be in a situation, no matter what my work life is, that I'm not wanting and desiring to be creative on some level. Right. And I've also throughout the entirety of my life, I've tried to keep a day job. Always. I have always tried to keep a job day job, no matter how, um, successful I have been outside of like a, quote unquote, nine to five. And 
now I'm into the place where financially, where I don't need one, you know, thank God at all. Cause I've turned my creativity and hustle into, into what I do in my life. But creativity for me, I've always thought if I could find a way to have a career and be creative in the midst of it, then I will, uh, that I'll be okay. Yeah. And so whether I, I used to work at a retail store back in the day, I would be folding jeans, man. And I was, I was folding jeans. I was working on song lyrics, you know, or I was always looking for an, a, 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 a place and a time to be creative in the midst of that. And that stuff never leaves me. Right. Never. So I feel the most um, vibrant when I'm creating. So now in my everyday professional life, this is what keeps me the most busy. I'm an actor, so I'm constantly auditioning and reading new scripts and my agent sending me things. That's a big part. So I have a studio where I lay down um, my self-tapes and auditions. Um, I'm a communicator, so of course in the midst of podcast and writing and all of those things, be it social media. Um, I'm creating content with the Tyler Merritt Project and what's great now that's different than, say, three years ago is three years ago, I used to feel this pressure like I had to put content out into the world. Now, I only put out content when I feel led to. Like, I feel zero pressure to have to speak on anything. And although people come to me for advice as far as, like, social justice and kind of things going on in the news, um, I don't feel the pressure to put anything out there unless I want to. So, with that, I also love songwriting still. So all of those things, um, acting, uh, communication, content creation, songwriting, um, all of those things are, are what I would consider my, my business. And um, the goal, I guess, for everybody is to be able to take the things that we are passionate about and actually make a living from it. Um, I want to encourage people that are writers, um, that are, that are creatives. The difference between those of us that have began to make money off of our creating and not is that we've never, we've, we never stopped. <laughs> I, I will admit I don't have kids and I, it's just me. So I can be a broke artist. Right. Um, but there are many times where I've thought, I just want to throw all these creative things away and aside. And if I would have, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Yeah. Um, so never, I, I just will never stop creating, never stop doing those things I'm passionate about. And thank God those things worked out for me to be able to actually make a living out of as well. And I, and I love it, man. I love my life that way. And I assume that as you, as, as all my guests are on the show, you're here because you've had you know, some, some levels of success and influence. And as such, you get a lot of opportunities coming your way. I would assume sure. that that is your barometer to say whether I'm going to take that or not. Is that going to allow me to be creative or is that going to cut into my creativity? Yes. No. Okay. Yeah. One, 100%. I think that's an important question to ask. Yeah. Fully. On the topic of broke artists. Uh, next one is money finances, wealth. And, and you did also say that you're at a place financially where you don't have to keep the, the, the day job on the side, but tell me about the value that you have felt around money. So I wish that this would be the section of this conversation 
where I dive into some deep thing about money and people are going to walk away going that right there, that guy, what Tyler said about that $10 bill is going to change my life. But anybody that knows me, if they're listening to this podcast, that knows me really well, they know where I'm going to go with this. (laughs) I'm the worst when it comes to money. And one of the reasons why I'm the worst is because Money, man, listen, I, I swear people are going to want to write me and talk to me about this. I do not hold value to act to money. Money doesn't hold value to me. And I'm going to try to explain what that means because it's a very jacked up way. And there's going to be people listening going like, you're crazy, dude. But because I've been broke times and I'm talking like my friend Shannon will be like, oh, my gosh, I'm broke. And she'll have like ten thousand dollars in savings. No. I've been broke where like, I'm going, I have $4 in my bank account, right? And my parents, although my mom is a banking guru, she will be the first to tell you one of the biggest mistakes she ever made in her life was not teaching her child more about money. And I'm the, I'm the only child. And so what my parents didn't, they weren't well off, but they had enough money that they could have given me money to like be okay. But they were kind of like, not that way. They were like, go survive. And I look back on it and though they regret that sometimes I'm happy that they did that because it made me responsible, but because I know what it's like to be broke, I don't have a whole, I don't have a lot of fear in not having money. Hmm. So, so that's caused a couple things with me. The more money I get, the less that that money has tangible, actual value. And this is what I mean. Hmm. Say I'm carrying four twenties in my pocket. Okay. And I stumble upon a home, uh, you know, uh, somebody asking for money. I will reach to my pocket and pull out a bill and hand them what a singular thing out of my pocket. That pot, that could have been a $1 bill. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. But it, it, to me, if it's a 20 or a one, there's no difference to me. Like zero difference. As long as I have money in my bank account, as long as I can pay my bills, as long as I'm okay, I don't think about money any other way. Like as long as I'm all right, if I, my, as long as my bills are paid, I'm not in debt. Um, and I, I, I can look at my bank account and go, I, I'm not, I'm not broke. Um, People that are close to you will tell close to me. They'll tell me this because I don't tell this a lot. It's probably the first time I've ever said on a podcast. I give a lot of money away, and I the reason why I don't talk about it is because who wants to talk about it? But I give a, a crap ton of money away. I would, my friends joke that I'd probably be a millionaire if I didn't. Um, but that also goes into the fact of like as long as I'm okay, money doesn't really hold a lot of weight to me, man. And that's not a good way to live your life. <laughs> it's not. It's just. It's. I mean, I get. It depends. I guess how you look on it, but. Technically, it's not like when you the more money you get, you should start to think about stocks and bonds and investments and this and that and all of that. And you really should. Like, I feel like that's smart. Right. But for me, as long as I'm okay and the people around me are okay, Jen and I joke about this all the time. I'm like, I can always make some more. There's some other people that I've had on the show, um, probably a surprising number that are very similar. 
They figured out how to make money. That helps. And money is not an intrinsic motivator. And man, Tyler, it is not for me. It's uh, my wife said this a long time ago in our marriage that we both for, for better and, and maybe more for worse. We tend to look at it kind of like monopoly money. Like I just, yeah. it's just whether there's a thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars, it's kind of that it's, if we can, as long as I can get the groceries I want when I go to the store right now and, and eat what I want, I'm kind of good. I don't know that right. that's best. It's, it's, it, I don't know if I set my kids up well. Cause that's, but that's what, that's what I'm saying. What, yeah. For me, I don't have kids, so I don't have to worry about that part. But yeah, I feel like if I did have kids, I feel different. Um, I don't know. My, the people that are closest to me, they feel very different. And they always joke about me about how I feel about money. Because yeah. I'm always like, I'll just, let me just pay the bill. And I don't, in my mind, I'm not thinking I'm doing this huge feat. I'm just thinking like, I have the money. Yeah. Why not? It's I can't take it with can't take it with me. Yeah. You know? Yes, I do. I do. Not good. Last one, man, is your interests, hobbies, play, fun. What does Tyler do? I'll just start there. What's Tyler do for fun? Um people need to know this. If I am ever on vacation, which I don't take um ever. I, I, I'm better at it now because my girlfriend likes to travel. Like her whole thing is like adventures. She wants adventures all the time. And so she's always like, let's go here. And I'm like, I, I, that's not how I operate. Um, but if I am ever, if I ever say I'm going to go on a vacation or my happy place, my happy place is New York city. Um, which isn't for a lot of people, but for me it is. And when I go to New York city, this is how I live. I want a hotel that's on, um, in the theater district. I don't want to be far away. I want to be in, I want to be able to walk out of my hotel and go to a theater across the street. Hmm. Um, I want to go there for five days and have it packed with Broadway shows and random places to eat and um, stay up late, walk to the city because it's a city that never sleeps. Um, Man, I am such a music theater, Broadway fan. film guy that that that's like life to me that's that's my escapism um gosh i've been to new york city more times in the past probably five months than i have been probably all the entirety of my life Hmm. um and those are the things that make me happy tonight i i I don't know when this is going to air but tonight i'm going to go see the new boz larman Boz Lerman movie Elvis. I don't know if you've seen previews for it. I just not long ago. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about it, but yeah. I, like that stuff. I'm, I'm excited. I'm stoked. If someone says to me, what are you going to do tonight? They can be like, I'm going to go to the beach. No, me, I'm going to go sit in the movie theater for two hours and watch a Boz Lerman creation, you know, who did Moulin Rouge and Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Like that's my jam. Um, watching creatives create or artists do art. Gosh, that's that's all all day long, man. I can watch that from now until the cows come home. Interestingly enough, though, I'm not a fan of things like um, video games. Mm-hmm. Um, I have super duper addictive behavior, so there are a lot of things that I just don't do because I'm afraid that it'll like kind of soak my energies up in the wrong way. Yeah, but if it spurs on my creativity, I will be smack dab there in the middle of it, man. How about self-care? What would you put in there? What's the consistent things you do for your self-care? Like walks. We, we covered that. Yeah. Well, uh, I was asked recently, what, what's my vice? Because I sound really boring. Because I, I don't, 
I don't smoke. I don't drink. Um, I don't eat meat. <laughs> like I just sound like really like, what do you do? You know, um, I can nap like, like a champion. Like um, I don't sleep well, meaning like I will be up at four o'clock in the morning and I'll take z to kind of help me get to sleep. But I've gotten to the point now in my life where when I feel like my body is tired, I will go and crawl in my bed. I will, I will, I will not fight it. Um, when I'm tired, I want to like crawl into my cool, crisp bed and, and get some sleep. So rest is self-care for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it used to not be that way. I used to be the absolute opposite, but now if I feel, and I don't know, maybe it's post-cancer, but if I feel my body getting tired, I, I, I listen and go, go, go rest, go sit your butt down. And if you can close your eyes and get some sleep, actually do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's how, that's how I self-care. So in my life, Kevin, man, give me, give me New York city every once in a while. Give me, um, a few, a few walks, mm-hmm. you know, every, every week, um, let me sleep when I'm tired and feed me pizza and hamburgers and we can kick it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a show right there. And thank you. You've got time to go call your mom now. Uh, I, I do. We're good. Right. Tyler, man, thank you. Thank you for uh, sharing your heart, sharing your values and uh, sharing your joy. It's been a gift. Thank you. Kevin, thank you, my friend. All right, friends. Again, Tyler Merritt's book is I Take My Coffee Black, Reflections on Tupac, Musical Theater, Faith, and Being Black in America. You can find that wherever you get your books. Uh, It's just an incredibly entertaining read. It's convicting. It's a compassionate look at stereotypes, marginalization. Thank you, as always, for choosing to tune in to this, the Self-Helpful Podcast with me, Kevin Miller. I'm grateful. If you got value, subscribe, leave a rating or a review about this specific episode. That would bless Tyler as well as me and let other folks know what to expect here. I sincerely hope I have helped you today in this episode. Help yourself. 